All right, uh, welcome back. It's uh, Mic'd Up Millionaires. This is definitely the first podcast in a long time. And I think I said that on the last time I recorded one too. But uh, it's 2022. Prime Minister is still in hiding, still a piece of shit. Inflation's running rampant. Most businesses are dying, decaying, or otherwise not doing great. And uh, we've just been pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. So I got James Fernandez here with me again. I think this is the second or third time uh, on this podcast. And hopefully you love James and you'll stick around. I think we're going to keep this one to about an hour today because I got to rip and roll and uh, try and get out there and uh, do some deals this afternoon. But uh, other than that, James, what's going on? Living the dream, man. I'm actually really enjoying that your hat on your shelf is right above your head. So it looks like you like a that? Tiny hat. <laughs> I like that. Boom. Anybody not watching, I have the sickest setup. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, it's going good, man. Um, just trying to focus on getting my apartment turned over and a few other things that I have going on just wrapped up. Um, it's pretty handy, uh, like where I'm at right now, not having to leave the house most of the time. For some of these things it was uh kind of a pivot from when i first started uh, everything was a, an emergency that i had to be on site for and um i don't know when it kind of occurred to me that i don't need to be standing there watching the plumber do the work you know like <laughs> i don't know why uh why it was so important for me to be there for, before but um yeah now it's, it's just a couple texts to solve almost any problem um if that if it's not already handled automatically so um helps focus on the other stuff you know yeah i think it's a an issue of control right like a lot of people have issues giving up control and letting go of the reins but like the reality is what i learned was if you let go of the reins on problems like that like worst thing that's going to happen is your plumber doesn't do the right job okay well that costs 300 dollars. like it it's such a non-factor in the total value of any real good performing asset like what's your cash flow right it should be more than 300 i hope or what's your forced appreciation or what's your ability to refinance based on where the market's gone itself so like yeah it doesn't make any sense to me to be spending a little bit of uh well no a lot of time instead of spending a little bit of money um Mm -hmm. it's funny we were actually talking about this this morning with with my team like we're doing a project and uh they you know they think it's going to be really fun to do the the demo and i think that is kind of fun like it i like breaking shit let's be realistic uh sure. it is kind of fun but it's also way more cool when you can go in and like break the fun stuff and then pay somebody you know 15 or 20 dollars an hour or whatever and just go get it done because the reality is our opportunity cost is in the tens of thousands of dollars per day mm-hmm. uh whenever we're not operating our main business and so you know that's just the reality of things and it took a long time to get here, right? It wasn't easy to get here, but once you start valuing your time, you actually really start recognizing the difference between working for money and and like working on a project basis or working on a uh, more entrepreneurial scale, which which you just you can't spend your time doing ten to twenty dollar an hour tasks if you actually want to achieve success in business. And that actually brings me to a story of today. Uh, I was very agitated, angry, furious, whatever. Uh, Like literally I almost had a meltdown. And then I was like, no, I'm going to just get in front of this, pick, pick the phone up, be a big boy. And, uh, and just talk, talk through this. Um, The CRA called me out of nowhere. They cold called me and uh, I had a fantastic tax bill last year um, because of some really shitty tax planning that I did. So I, um, 
like I'm not as organized as you. And this is probably uh, the source of your control issues. Is I'm just like super loose. I'll just throw whatever, you know, I don't care. But uh, the CRA called me out of nowhere after I paid this massive goddamn tax bill already and got reassessed and paid um, like the, whatever the balance was on the reassessment. And then they called me today and it wasn't even that much money, right? They were calling, they're like, hey, you've got a, a balance of six grand. And I was like, no, I do not. <laughs> I 100% don't. And they're like, yeah, like 4,000 of it is interest and, and whatever. And I'm like, that is so impossible. You have no idea. And I'm like, can you just tell me where this came from? And the lady just had no information. And I'm like, okay, well, give me the phone number of somebody that can actually talk to me about this. And Sorry, anyways, so, I spent, so <laughs> it was such bullshit. I was so upset. And uh, anyways, I called the CRA, waited on the phone for two goddamn hours. And <clears throat> after two hours of talking to them, they're like, oh yeah, we just may have a mistake in our system. Like it turns out you actually paid that. <clears throat> and uh, all that interest payment has just been accruing since then because we marked it wrong. And I said, yeah. That's really cute. And what if I had just paid this lady that had no information, right? Mm -hmm. And like, and, and it's six grand, it's not going to kill me, but it's that type of stuff where like, yeah. I'm like, what about the average Canadian who like, doesn't know to question. Sorry, uh, could you say that again? Shut up, Sorry. Siri. Um, the average Canadian doesn't really understand that you, <clears throat> you need to take uh, control of your own financial life, right? Like yeah. you need to be able to have agency over yourself and call these people out. Like, if the, CRA, the CRA can be wrong. They're just humans, right? And people, people always think like you've got to <clears throat> sort of bow down to these power figures or authority. And it's like, well, no, you can actually break the mold. Like yeah. you can't decide to change your life financially. It's easy. It's the same as changing your life physically. Like if you're fat and you don't want to be fat, it's fucking calories in and calories out. Get over it. Right. Like, but, and <clears throat> sorry, the point of this whole story is, you know, in getting to where we're at, it's these little things that we do, like taking agency, um, giving away some control, but also being informed about like your actual situation and allowing yourself the freedom to make good decisions on the fly so you can take control of your financial life. Like, I don't know yeah. when in my, in my back, like if you hit my mom right now with a $6,000 bill, she, that's it. That's game over, right? Yeah. That's, that's like just cash in. That's all the chips, sell the house. It's done. It's over. And, uh, and that's probably where the average Canadian is. And that's where we come from. And that's why yeah. I get furious when I run into something like that, where I'm like, no, I've already paid this. I know I've covered it. No way. Um, so I don't know how we got here from the control problem, but that's like, this stuff just infuriates me. Right. Yeah. I, I really like, I think, uh, what you were talking about, taking control of your, your own financial situation. And I, I don't think either of us really came from money at yeah. all. I certainly didn't, I won't speak for you, but, uh, I, I recall like as a kid telling my parents, well, I want a, like a Game Boy to play freaking Pokemon Red or something, you know? And they're like, absolutely not. That's not happening. Figure it out. And uh, my brother and I, like on all the snow days, we'd go out and we'd be shoveling. Um, we made like 200 bucks a piece the one snow day. We're freaking eight years old. That's big money. Old. Yeah. That's infinite money. That's yeah. infinite money as a freaking yeah. eight years. It's a lot old. of five cent candies. Oh my God, dude. And we we're doing like 20 bucks the driveway and we did like almost 30 40 driveways that weekend or, or like like those few days or whatever and um we were like nearly dead but god damn it was worth it that was infinite money yeah and, um we like from there you realize like okay well my time is worth nothing and you go to my time is worth very little but it's still worth something to how do i increase that monetization and we ended up setting up contracts in our little townhouse condo row condo thing 
where um, we'd have like a monthly contract with, I don't know, six or 10 people so that every day they're probably cleaned off in the morning or, and they're like, what to be shelved on, what are like just creating value for people in different ways. And um, that's really what it comes down to for all, everything we do these days is just adding value in, in a way that isn't linked to time anymore. Um, but you have to start somewhere, right? So. Yeah, the, the value add conversation is, <clears throat> is a good one to have. Like there, there is no uh, transaction where I'm giving you more, you know, I, I'm only going to give to you what you're giving to me in value. Right. And so there, there are ways to add a lot more value or significantly more value than simply trading time for money, uh, like working in an, hour, an hourly job or working for a salary. But I think you do learn the principles there. Like, I think you learn how to work hard by working in hourly jobs or in salary oh, yeah. jobs. Like you, you, you learn, learn the habit of that, the habit. Exactly. You train it as a habit. You know, you have to get up right? You have to get up at seven and go to work, right? Or eight or, and go to work. And, and yeah, sometimes you have to do eight hour, 10 hour, 20 hour, 12 hour days. Uh, and probably you're not doing things that you ideally would be doing if you had free time. Uh, yeah. But that's the, that's the value of working hard and, and training yourself to get over that stuff. Cause you know, 90% of what I do in business it, up to this point has been like things that you wouldn't otherwise do. Like if I just gave you all the money in the world and all the free time, you generally speaking, you know, wouldn't be on a bunch of Zoom call meetings. Like, no, you'd be out snorkeling, right? Or like doing some crazy thing, traveling the world. Uh, but the reality is like, you need to train yourself into the habits of wanting to show up with that sort of, uh, that mentality that like, you're going to win the day. And, and by doing that, you know, you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do and potentially you're going to have to do them frequently. Yeah, um, one way like that pretty, I, sorry, yeah, I was just gonna say that that's actually pretty hard for me to do. So like I have my own systems in place, but I, I want to hear about what you were. Well, that's what I was just going to say the way out of that. And, and like, I actually think you need to go through all that stuff to learn that like you actually hate doing certain tasks or maybe more importantly, you're not actually that good at certain yeah. tasks, right? Like I'm not a great salesperson. That's why we hire salespeople. Um, I'm not a, uh, you know, a, a great accountant. I'm very low on detail orientation. That's why we have a CPA full time, right? But I think you go through all this mess and generally piece things together. You know, your your business gets built on like duct tape and and super glue until you can figure out like what is it that I'm actually really good at that I have a competitive advantage in, um, or at least a comparative advantage where I can do this better than anybody else on my team, and then having the freedom. Um, of your mindset to just let go of the other things that you know you need to hire because that person's going to do a better job in less time with greater accuracy than you ever will do. And uh, that's when creating standard operating procedures and really dialing in your business, that's where it all comes out. Like I scrapped my whole business this year. We gave everybody December paid vacation. Uh, everybody gets December off. And then, um, you know, we, we sort of recycle, like we got rid of the, the whole sales team. Um, and then we just nuked the back end, like just completely nuked it. Because what I had realized is the things that got us here weren't going to get us to where we needed to be, right? Like we could do another million dollars, $2 million, $3 million of revenue, but it didn't necessarily mean that I was going to be doing the things I want. Right. And like, for me, it's about <clears throat> if you're going to put in this much effort, you really need to be doing the things that you want long term, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to be glued to my computer. I do not want to have to attend every meeting or sales meeting for the sales team to feel engaged, right? Yeah. If they're not, if they don't see me and they're panicking because they don't see me and they, and they start feeling like, you know, things are unfair, 
<clears throat> that's not the business I want. Yeah. Right. And so I nuked that business, rebuilt it from the ground up. And instead of saying, you know, um, what are we doing today? We just said, what would we do if we had to do it all over again? And, you know, yeah. luckily we have resources now. And that's one of the unique positions to be at is where you have resources and you can then say, what was the right thing to do? Like the right software, the right process, the right people, the right whatever. Um, but that's hard to do if you don't have resources. So like, yeah. You know, what were some of the challenges you had to go through to get to a resource position where you could standard standardize things and have great process? Like, what was that yeah, like for so you? It, it's always been um, like coming from no money and then coming into money. It's always a kind of a tricky transition because you, you decide like, well, now I can afford it, so I'll do it. But it's really hard to not overspend yourself. Right. And yeah, it's, it's like fine to say like, I'll make more money, but if you, if you can outspend yourself pretty fast. So I, I like to put myself into a position of artificial poverty or not poverty, but like I, I lock up uh, assets or so I'm not as liquid as I, my brain knows I can't spend that goddamn money. Then I spend it on good shit. Like I buy a lot of real estate. I buy Bitcoin and other uh, coins. Um, I buy or max out like TFSA, RRSP, and I force like savings on myself with, with different things. So like my actual checking account on any given day only has $2,000 in it. Yeah. And, and everything else is locked up or spent well, um, not on stupid shit necessarily, but like I can't touch it. And yeah. that's, that's been a really good motivating force for me where um, I feel like I need to make more again, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that maybe is how you do it, but I needed something because otherwise seeing, seeing my bank account being like, oh, I can buy all this stupid shit. Like you get a refi check and, and you see the, the guys flexing on Instagram with the Lambos. It's like, I could buy that right now, you know, like, but, but what does that get me? Does that actually get me what I want? Nah, I'll rent a Lambo for two grand a day if I wanted to. And then I can't drive a Lamborghini in Thailand. You know, like, yeah, um, you can't take a, the Lamborghini snorkeling, you know, <laughs> you can't, no, you literally can't use it anywhere. Actually, So that's, that's not something that I personally enjoy. Like I like cars a lot, but it's not on my uh, owning bucket list or anything like that. Um, the, the converse side of that is when you do that and now all of a sudden you need to be liquid. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. did I do that? And um, then now you have to go make more somehow, right? So um, it's kind of an interesting drive in that way. Like um, when I was, uh, so after like that snow snow business, I guess not really business, but uh, we, uh, my brother and I, we also like worked on a farm. We did paper routes. We did like kind of a bunch of stuff. Um, we started doing contracting as well, like pretty young, 15, 16. We had a little floors and more company uh, laying down laminate. Um, uh, doing demo work that type of stuff it was good man and like all that stuff uh really taught us uh, a lot of like good interaction skills with customers but mainly the main thing if you can solve a rich person's problem you will also be very rich and really at the end of the day the motto in life to become wealthy i think is solve the problems that no one else wants to solve and once you figure out any problem literally anything <laughs> that needs to be solved that other people are kind of shying away from, it'll be golden. Um, and uh, I definitely have tried to exemplify that in my real estate business 
and via my Instagram, you, you typically see a lot of the shithole stuff that I deal with. I was with. just going to bring that up. And like, um, if anybody's not following you, they should, because like just seeing the yeah. horror stories, but these, these are the, right. We always say problems or profits here. Like yeah. these are where you find the profits. Like there's not a significant amount of profit in going and buying an asset that's at its highest and best use. And then mm-hmm. trying to add things to it. Like that's the definition of buying high and then potentially selling low. If you, if you choose to sell, like that's yeah. where I think we have an opportunity as younger people, as people with a lot of energy, as people that get super bored anyway, like you're going to be so bored if you're not actually actively engaged in big projects and big problems. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the mindset you need though, in order to get yourself into projects and problems that are worth solving. Cause like, there's nothing fun about buying, you know, a fully flipped building and then holding onto it for 30 years. Like that's a sure way to make yeah. a couple bucks, but like, there's going to be no point. Cause like, you can't take the asset with you to the grave by the time you make the money in 30 years, it's not even worth spending. Cause you're too old to care about it. Like <clears throat> I've seen this story too many times. This is probably the average person, right? They, they, they strive for home ownership. The market generally speaking appreciates in Canada and like everywhere in Canada. And uh, you know, in 30 years you have a nest egg, right? And that's mm-hmm. what they call it, the nest egg. But you know, what's the quality of life getting there? And I think these are the questions that hopefully anybody, you know, listening to a podcast called Mic'd Up Millionaires is probably trying to solve this problem of like, well, how do I actually get that jump done? Like, how do I get from, you know, where we started? We're like, same thing, right? Like I wanted like a bike or a paintball gun or whatever. My mom's like, yeah, go get a job, like go earn it. And, uh, you know, I started my first job with $6 and 20 cents an hour at a golf course, washing (laughs) dishes and, and goddamn, uh, counting chicken wings into prep bags. Like that was my thing, (laughs) right. That was my big job. And, uh, but that taught me, like you had to do things you didn't want to do. And, um, but I think like whoever's listening, um, to a podcast like this is probably just wondering like, what steps do you need to take? And I think it is what you're saying is like, try and find a way to get as close to ownership as you can. Um, But also like, there's a really important thing that you said there is like solve rich people's problems. Or uh, another way that Matt McKeever sometimes says this is get as close as you can to the money press, right? As close as you can get to where the money's actually just printed infinitely, right? And now's a great example. We've printed like most of our money supply in the last few years. The closer you- well, exactly. And the closer you can get to that printing press, the better off you are um, as an individual. And that's just the reality of things. And so real estate is actually really close to the printing press because that's what mortgages are. It's all new money. This is not, uh, you know, the majority of it's new money that just, they just make it up. It's zeros digitally uh, allocated to your to your account that that somehow represent your ownership. And then what we do is we use leverage, right? The closer you can get to leverage is, is better. And leverage means, you know, yeah, it it only costs you 20% to get into the property. Now you get five times that buying power in being able to put down 20,000 and buy a hundred thousand dollar property. Right. And that's, that's leverage, but leverage also is what you were talking about in that you don't need to stand there and watch your plumber perform his job. Right. The return on time and versus the return on money as well. Right. Absolutely. You don't need to be doing these tasks. If there's somebody else that's out there, who's willing to do it, who's better and more efficient at it than you are. Cause that's how you grow. So like, yeah. you know, how many, 
how would you say your portfolio or your your time and whatever how did that change when you let go of some of those reins like i assume you went from like five properties or whatever to like way more properties once you start yeah. really leveraging your time yeah so um basically it kind of started with the airbnb portfolio where i i'm actually very hands-off on the airbnb portfolio um it takes me maybe about a couple hours a year really to to handle um, most of the interactions with the guests and everything that happens, like the cleaning is fairly uh, routine by now. Um, the maintenance and whatever else, it's like a couple of texts to solve. Uh, nothing really ever uh, crazy. Um, the setup, obviously, uh, that's where the majority of the work goes in. So uh, creating standardized lists, creating standardized systems, um, everything like that. And, and the people just know what to do now. They hear, like, this is the stuff. This is where it always goes. This is the same shit again and again. Yeah, the layout's a little bit different. It's a three bed, not a two bed. Doesn't matter. They know they know like generally how I like it. Um, and that's based off of a checklist. So I don't have to rely on the people as much as I do the list. And once you're able to take um, like that kind of, not freedom away from them, but like just this is what I want. And as my employee, this is what you're expected to do. Uh, it is really helpful. and. Uh, one thing that my brother actually uh, said to me, and he was an uh, operations manager and then uh, uh, directing manager for a pretty large medical company, but um, he said, when, when things go wrong, you have to look at if it's the system that's broken or the person that messed up. And always, always be hard on the system, but soft yeah. on the people. <clears throat> and, and that's something that I've really implemented where I see uh, the growth in my portfolio probably to like 10 or 20x since I was able to let go of some of the smaller things. And I can attribute that really to just writing down everything that I was doing or screen recording everything that I was doing uh, that I never wanted to do again. Yep. <laughs> and then uploading all that those things into a folder and um, saying uh, to my team, uh, watch this, do what I did, I'll check it. And I spot check every now and then, um, but I don't ever have to do it again. So uh, super helpful in that sense. And there's still things that I'm really hands-on in the business. I, I like certain parts of it. And honestly, some of it is just for Instagram. <laughs> like I like, I like going and seeing some of these things. Um, and that's honestly the highest engaging, most engaging stuff on my Instagram. And to the point where people actually ask, do you have anything good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, people want to watch you failing, right? That's like half of what people tune in for is to hope that somebody's failing or having a shitty Dude, reason there. I actually, I actually, I actually have a funny story. So as you know, my, my car got in an accident a little while ago. It was parked. I wasn't in it, everything, but it's fully written off and I'm driving a rental right now. So like a Toyota RAV4 and I ran into an old coworker um, from the job that I left. And uh, he seemed like genuinely concerned that I was like no longer driving the Tesla and I was driving this Toyota and like, he's, like Oh dude, he saw you like, in the shitty car. <laughs> he's like, what happened, man? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> like, don't worry. Oh my God. But I was just like, Jesus. Um, I don't even know what to say right now. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's actually, yeah. Like uh, I think there's some, there's a word for it. I can't remember if it's like, some German word where you like take pleasure in someone else's failure. I can't remember the word. Yeah. It was a cool, it was a cool word, but um, I, I feel like that's innate in our human nature. Um, and we, we do really have to take into uh, like effort. We have to put effort into kind of overriding that and enjoy people's successes as well. 
Um, and there are a lot of people out there that I feel get kind of jealous, not of me, but like in general of other people's successes when if they just pivoted their mind a little tiny bit, they could view those as a guidebook or a motivation in some sorts or just um, I'm glad they're doing that because I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> but I know I don't want to do that now because I see what it took to get to that success. So I'll do this instead. And just a process of elimination in that sense, but instead it, it turns into like, well, like he got lucky or I, there's that Elon Musk tweet that I really liked. It was like, uh, uh, people still call me lucky. I've been working 16 hours a day, seven days a week for two years. Yeah. I'm still the luckiest guy, right? Like what the hell? So, oh man, it's um, that, I think the systems uh, will definitely help. Um, but regardless of, of where you're going, there's always still going to be people trying to back around with it. So <laughs> yeah, but, and that's everywhere, but people are just different, right? Like you, you know, like if even the, just looking at what you and I do differently, like you're a, you're big on saving and investing. And like, I generally, like I took a bit of a different path where I like made a bunch of money, invested a bunch of money but also like bought basically everything I've ever wanted, like all at once, because my, my theory, I think I might've said this already on this podcast, but like my general theory of life is like, we really just don't know. Right. Yeah. Like you actually, it's, it's worth planning to live a long time, but like, you really don't know um, how long this ride's going to last. Um, for me too, like, it never made a lot of sense to me to, and like, I respect when people do do it, but like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to take some money, like go, go put all this effort in, make some money and then never get to enjoy the proceeds of it. Like mm -hmm. to me, it's all a game. And I think that allows me to uh, have more fun with it. Like when I'm losing money, it's, it's a competition to me in, in a game sense, like I gamify everything. And so I do the same thing that you do in terms of cash trapping myself, but usually that's by parking money in like a Rolex collection or mm. uh, NFTs that might just bomb or <laughs> um, crypto that might just blow up any day. Or, you know, um, like I just bought a hundred acres of like hunting area that's surrounded by a couple thousand acres of crown land. And like that to yeah. me, I could, I could have waited for better timing for that, but like, why? Like I, yeah. I would no, I'd way rather get the utility of it today. And so in that sense, I'm a utilitarian where like, yeah, I, I just, I love watches. So yes, I'm going to have a Rolex collection as soon as possible. That's my mm -hmm. goal. The thing with the cars and stuff, like, you know, I, I bought the Tesla too, and then I've got this truck now. And to me, <clears throat> like it was always about for the last 10 years, like I, the first, well, more than 10 years now, but the first time I saw a, uh, an F-150 Platinum, it was my best friend's boyfriend or my best friend's mom's boyfriend who owned this fucking platinum. And he um, actually, you know, the company ProTech, you must yep. know. Yeah. They make like all the shit for helmets and stuff. And he owns that yep. company. And uh, he, he just had this 150 platinum and it blew my mind. I was like, God damn it. One of these days I'm going to have this thing. And, uh, and I, so I, I, you know, finally had the resources to do it. And I just thought I'm going to pull the trigger on this and ended up getting the 250 platinum, but it's because I loved that truck and stared at it for 10 years working yeah. every, every day. You know, sometimes you hate doing what you have to do. Like I hate oh, yeah. renovating, um, some of the properties that I bought and I bought terrible properties too, uh, much like yourself. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, I hated it, like pulling needles out of vents and toilets full of human shit because like the crack people were just insane. Yeah. Um, you know, taking drywall out, luckily wearing gloves and finding needles oh, behind yeah. the drywall. That's always a good technique. Yeah, you take your hand out, like luckily it's like a thick leather glove for me, but yeah. I had like a couple needles hanging. I was like, oh god damn. God damn it. This is how this is how we get COVID. Yeah. And so <laughs> and it, you know, like it's just miserable, but you have to do some of that stuff. And uh, and that to me was like, you know what, I can buy this watch collection. These watches will literally last like lifetimes, like two lifetimes. The truck to me represents, you know, a multiple year uh, experience where I get the utility of it every day. The same thing yeah. with the Tesla um, and, and then just some of the other stuff, right? Like I just have stuff that I really yeah. enjoy and like I use it every day and I try and be minimalist in, in a sense, but at the same time, like, yeah, I've got the snowmobile and the ATV and Harley because guess what? <laughs> on some days you just want to goddamn want ride to the beach on your Harley. Exactly. Why do you like, like. I'm not criticizing anybody that waits for it, but why wait? Like to me, it's like, well, yeah, you could take that, you know, cumulative $300,000, reinvest it and it'll turn into 500 and maybe you could have got even more toys later, but it's like, no, like I want the utility of those things right now in my prime 27, let's roll, let's live fast. Um, so not that, that young. But... From, I think, I think that's actually comes from um, growing up without money. And like, I Absolutely. definitely catch myself in there a lot because in that mindset where you have to keep delaying your gratification, it, it just becomes your habit. It becomes your, your life, you know? So I've, I've really had to catch myself. And even for when I got the Tesla, um, I waited four years for that car, right? Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I was like on the, the fucking first on the boat type of shit um, to two years of like my pre-orders in waiting and waiting, waiting and four years of saving for, for that vehicle. And then, uh, I got it and it was literally like even right before I was about to pay my final deposit and everything like that I'm talking to my mom I'm like why the fuck am I buying a hundred thousand dollar car ah! so like I have a Chevrolet Cobalt right now and it's doing great you know I paid five grand for it cash I don't know goddamn thing and she's like you're gonna really regret it if you don't do it yeah. and um, like I, I got it and it was like very very amazing like that was one of the most satisfying things for me where it took literally four years for me to figure that out at that point i didn't have what i have now i didn't know about real estate even back then i didn't know any of the shit so um it wasn't like i was creating 100 grand a month or whatever else in cash flow um that i was i was making i don't know 60 70 grand a year so buying a hundred thousand a car is yeah. very stupid you know? that's a crazy decision yeah <laughs> but but you have um, to it, it took me it took me four years to figure it out and I did and actually that ended up being one of the best business decisions that yes. I could actually make because that car somehow allowed me access to people that had way more money than me first of all that had the knowledge that I needed to unlock and um, I had a car that kind of didn't exist you know like it it was so rare at that point. Oh, you had the first Tesla, I think, of anybody that I even heard of owning a Tesla. Like, mm -hmm. straight up. It, it and I bought mine, by the time. way, because James had one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you drove it. You had some fun. Um, I, I shit myself. I was like, this is the coolest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. I need it instantly. But that was the experience I had as well. And, like, that's why <laughs> for four years, like, you just have this on. It's like, how yeah. do I make this happen? rather than I can't afford that it's how can I afford that and th that was just like 
I am doing anything it takes yeah. to make that happen. And um, realistically, it's not that hard once you actually decide. And I feel like a lot of people are stuck in the, um, and, and this is again, part of our, our upbringing, do, like, do I deserve it? Um, you question yourself on that and um, you end up asking permission rather than giving yourself permission for it. Yeah. And uh, in a lot of situations, even on Instagram today, um, I, I, I get DMs of like, what do you think of this deal? I'm like, well, have you done the analysis on it? Yeah. Does it cash flow? Yeah. Do you have the money to do it? Yeah. Do you have financing? Yeah. Why the fuck are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? You're just asking for permission at that point. And, and you got to let go of that shit and just give yourself permission to succeed. And um, that's, a, that's another thing that's actually, I think, a little bit hard to let go of uh, if, you, if you haven't been given that permission your whole life. Yeah, well, I think that's one. And this is always like people talk about like, um, you know, kids that are born to people with money, like they, they seem to be different than people who are born with no money and have to like really struggle. And I, I actually think the struggle is really good to go through because the whatever it takes mentality um, that you're describing, like yeah. you, that is only learned, but, but it's also like trainable, like you can work on that. Right. And I always relate this to fitness. Like if you actually want to be fit, it's very accessible, like body weight workouts. You, you can do this with no gym, no, whatever, like, and YouTube's free. Right. So like, just go on Google and uh, you will see like all the work you can be fit in like three months. You'd be, you, you could be jacked if you actually wanted to and have the conviction to do it. Um, but just most of the time people don't. And like, you know, if you find your like, yeah, every, anytime I found myself asking for permission, it's generally because I don't actually believe in what I'm asking it. about. Like yeah. either I don't believe in the, in the actual thing. Right. So okay. like the investment itself, or I don't believe in myself mm-hmm. or, um, or, or I just literally don't know enough yet about it. And so I think there's ways to ask good questions. Like, you know, what am I not thinking about? Because some people just don't know that like, Oh yeah. Like there's also, you know, land transfer tax and uh, income tax and capital gains and all these other things. Like, and so that's a good question. It's like, what am I not thinking about? Not should I do it? Like, should I do it is a really messed up question. Cause yeah. anytime you're asking anybody, should you do something like you need to also include your full life story, what your goals are, what motivates you, what yeah. makes you happy? Like what's going to actually lead to your long-term success. And like the reality is most people don't care about your long-term success. So like, it's not a good question to ask. Better question is like, I've done all this research. I think I know the numbers. Is there something I'm not thinking about given that I've considered already X, Y, Z, right? And like yeah. that, that's a great question. And also anybody will answer it, right? Like, oh, well, did you think of capital gains on that flip? And then they go, oh, fuck, maybe not, <laughs> right? And then you're yeah. like, well, that that makes a big difference. Um, so like that, that actually reminds me of pretty much our first phone call where it's just like, what am I missing here? Nothing. Yeah. It's a good deal. Okay, smash it. Here's some money. And that's about it. And that actually was really uh, an easy decision for me back then, because like you, you gave kind of all the information I needed to, to analyze the deal. And the only thing left was what's the intangibles that I'm missing. And you're like, well, there's nothing really just go for it. Okay. Here's money. Let's make this deal happen. And that was like our first deal that we did together and it went really well. So um, it, it, I think really comes down to uh, people just giving themselves permission, stopping themselves from denying their own success 
And uh, I think it really, really comes down to that vision. You have the, the truck, I have the Tesla. I actually have the, the Roadster sitting on my mantle right now. Um, no. That's the next one. I hope you get um, that. So I, I will, I will, man. But uh, it, it's the same thing. It's just giving yourself permission to, to do the thing. And somehow you'll figure out how to get there as long as you say, I am doing it. And um, for whoever's listening out there that maybe just needed to hear that, like you have your own permission and you have our permission too, if you really needed it, just go do it. Well, no, it, the reality is nobody's become ultra successful ever through inaction, right? Yeah. Like inaction is not actually the way to do anything. It, it's like, if you want to stay your course inaction is probably the best way to do it. Or even like baby steps, because yeah. the, I think one thing people don't actually realize, and this is part of my um, infuriation this morning with CRA is like, it's actually, it's really fucking hard to get ahead and uh, inaction or even small steps. So like basically anything less than obsession is not going to get you what you need because yeah. you will suffer from taxes. You will suffer from capital gains. You will suffer from unexpected costs and scope creep and all these other things associated with literally any project. It doesn't need to be real estate. It's everything. Everything costs more than you think. It takes more energy and it takes more time. And like, that's literally just the formula to life um, because life, yep. life's not supposed to be hard and, or excuse me, life's not supposed to be easy and, uh, and nothing is guaranteed at all. And like, if you want shit, you actually need to take it. And that's how all of nature works. And yeah, there's a, <clears throat> sorry to cut you off there. There's a really good quote that I, that I hope like really fits in well with this. If you always do what you always did, you'll always have what you always had. Absolutely. Like, the obsessed type of mentality, I think is really effective. You just got to figure out what, what motivates you and get you there, whether it's your family or whether it's that Game Boy with Pokemon Red or the Tesla or, you know, oh, the truck or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's the same thing can be said as you start to gain some traction too. like the same things that you're doing. Actually, you you need to do more. Like as you're going, it's an iterative process to improve your standard operating procedures, your habits and uh, and your goals, because otherwise, like the, it's still a landslide out here. Like if you just hold your money while well, right now in Canada, you're losing like five, six, seven percent of the value of that money right now, like just by doing nothing. So it's like this constant battle where like even, you know, moderately successful to to successful people like actually need to be diligent about continuing uh, to grow all the time. And like, what that means is like, yeah, continuous improvement all the time is required if you want to do anything in this life. You like, and that can be small steps to continuously improve, but like way better. I've always found is like, go off the deep end. Just like, just go big. Yeah. <laughs> just go big because like, you're probably going to fail at life anyways. Like most people suck. Like most people are losers. Right. And so if you want to be a winner, the only way to do it is probably going to be taking you know, decent sized risks that are calculated um, where you've done your research and you have the conviction and you truly believe that it's the right thing for you. And uh, I get my ass kicked on this all the time now in crypto. And this is one of the things is just indecision or non-confidence is the greatest way to, to just stay where you're at. Like, you know, I, I bought um, Board Ape Yacht Club because I believed that it was a project that was going to go somewhere after conferring with Matt quite a bit and doing some online research, joining their discord, listening to what people were talking about there. And uh, on the day that I bought the board API club, I bought it, you know, sub $2,000, like very cheap. And I was trying to buy three of them that day. And I ended up having some issue with my hard wallet. And so I got, I just got like 
I lost patience with it and didn't commit to solving that problem that day. Uh, now I understand a lot more about the hard wallets and how they work. And it was just a blind signing problem. So I ended up buying one instead of the three that I was going to get. Well, now those goddamn things are worth $400,000 and I was yeah. buying them for 2000 that day or less. I, I can't remember even what I paid, but it was literally less than two grand for sure. I know that. And, uh, and so now I've got $400,000, but I don't have $1.2 million yeah. um, on that stupid project. Right. And we bought other stuff like the crypto punks and, you know, V France. And like, we've got all the cool blue chip projects, but like, I only bought like one of them at a time. Uh, and then, so here's the double-edged sword, I guess, to my style of things is like, at the same time, I bought the stupid ape for less than two grand. I bought a $20,000 snowmobile. Now, had I just bought $20,000 worth of apes, you know, (laughs) I would have entered a new level of, of, uh, internet money. And so you know, that would have been really cool. And I, and I guess that just comes down to like, how confident are you in what you're doing? Right. Because half measures don't usually work. Like it's like a pretty sure way to kind of suck. And uh, so, well, I'm, I'm happy that I learned my lesson, but I've talked about this with real estate. Why the fuck, like, why would you own two single family houses? Like you're going to have to learn all the worst parts of a learning curve you're going to experience in your first, you know, several properties. And if you just stop there, like you never got efficient, you never actually got profitable. And you have all the ongoing problems of like the residential tenancy act, the landlord tenant board and all the bullshit that comes with owning properties without all the, you know, the profits. So like, don't, don't buy a few houses. It's so dumb. (laughs) Like buy all of them. My whole um, city. The, the apartment building that I'm working on was extremely intimidating to me. Yeah. Um, prior to that, I had a fourplex. So it, it, like that was the, ne- the next biggest building. And um, it, that I, I would strongly recommend like anyone who's followed along with any of my stuff, um, just go bigger. Uh, you know, yeah. it's going to be worth it. You, you see all the shit that I'm dealing with, but like to put it in perspective, every dollar income that I increase on that thing, it's worth $20 in value at a 4% cap rate, right? Or 25 yeah. to 4% cap rate. Um, and why would you not want that? Why would you just want your effort to be capped by what your neighbor's house sold for? Yeah. So going going bigger is definitely uh, the way to go taking that, like it was a big risk. I'd had no goddamn money or anything at the time to pay for a $5 million building, but uh, you figure it out and you make it happen. And now it's worth six or seven. And that was six, seven months ago. You know, it, it yeah. can happen very quickly once you just actually take that risk and move on from there. So, well, t- take the risk and then like fully commit, right? So, I, I actually was just talking to Casey Wong, who some people might know through Matt's oh, channel. Yeah. He's a, uh, you know, what I would consider a very successful real estate investor in Toronto. He, you know, what they did is they just grinded it out, right? They just put in the work, they kept their heads down, they bought good buildings, uh, they did great work, they standardized all their operations and processes, they got really good at one niche product, which was just uh, two to like two to four story walk up multifamily residential properties. Mm-hmm. So they got really good at doing that. They dialed that in, they did a bunch of those. I talking to him the other day and uh, he shared this on the YouTube videos that this is public information uh, at this point, but they just did a $15 million refi. So like, there's no, like, you know, how do you get $15 million? Well, I'm here to tell you as a business owner in in several businesses, you don't like, 
You just don't like you actually need to generate so much revenue. Most companies are operating on like a 10% margin at best. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you actually want $15 million, well, okay, cool. Go do 150 million in sales. Good luck. What is doing $150 million in sales? Well, giant companies that have a lot of headaches, a lot of time commitment, a lot of whatever. Um, these guys were able to do it. And yes, it took, um, I, I think if you ask him, he might tell you 20 years or something yeah. um, to get to this point. And they've obviously made a lot of money in between, but yeah. you know, when you're, once you're at the point of commitment where you're this far down the path, you're that far standardized and you're able to do a refi like that, like that is utterly life-changing on like a generational scope. Right. Like so, that, and, yeah. and, uh, and that's just really cool, but that's the product of, of, working right that's the product of really putting in the work for many years and uh, sure there's other ways to generate lots of money and maybe you don't even need close to 15 million 15 million is like an absurd number right like yeah even, <laughs> teslas aren't like, that much <laughs> yeah exactly and and realistically like uh, if you're living in a low cost of living country as an example yeah. thailand you're spending let's just call it let's call it like outrageously four thousand dollars a month yeah so off of 50k a year uh, like roughly you're, you're living there for 50k a year and let's just say you want to live for another 50 years you yeah. know what what's that actually equal not 15 million you know no no, no, no. <laughs> so if, if you're um living off of uh, something like that and maybe you want your lifestyle to be a little bit more luxurious work backwards from that goal right yeah. and then now you, now you know okay if i need let's just call it two hundred thousand dollars a year and you want to live until you're 70 and you're 30 now so you need uh 40 times 20 or 200 sorry and work backwards from there. How do I actually create that value? And then one thing at a time, you just check it off your list. Like, okay, yeah. well, I only have 10% left to go or I have 50% left to go. And it all, all of a sudden becomes more tangible where more real uh, rather than just some like, I wish I could do that. Oh, it's, well, it's impossible to calculate. I wish, right. Yeah. It's very easy actually to calculate, you know, the $5 million or whatever that math was quick Yeah. Uh, to, to really figure out a game plan. And then I think more important than even the $5 million in that hypothetical is just like understanding your current position and what that means relatively. Like if, yep. if you're like, Oh, I actually need $5 million. And right now you're making 38,000 uh, hourly and you're working 40 hours a week. Well, even if you double your hours per week, it, like that's not, not going happening. to be possible. It's just yeah. impossible. Right. And so I think just as much as anything, like goal setting is extremely important just to really understand and, and be real with yourself about like, What's my trajectory? How long is it going to take to get there? Does that actually suit my goals? Right? Like if I, man, if I found out that it would have taken me uh, 50 years to buy the truck, like, fuck, like I either need to stop doing what I'm doing or forget about the truck. And like, yeah. you don't want to forget about the truck because that's Definitely the thing that you want. So, you know, now that means, well, there's only one thing to do and that's change my current action inputs and, uh, and increase your value. Was, hey, hell yeah. And actually one thing that's um, maybe a little bit uh, going to be helpful for someone, but was really helpful for me as a child, and it's still helpful for me today, is um, putting yourself, like taking yourself kind of out of your class. I don't know yeah. how, a better way to say that. And, and yeah. being, in, being in a world that you did not know existed or was possible. And like for me, um, my mom had a really good job uh, surrounded by really wealthy people. And we got to hang out with them, go to their houses and like yeah. see how they live. And it was totally different. <laughs> you know, that, that world was just like, Jesus Christ, uh, you have like seven cars and a pool for your dogs only. Like yeah. this is like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? But, 
it, that is really important. That exists, yeah, when you realize that that exists and that's possible, and all of a sudden your your brain is completely changed. And I, I get a lot of posts uh, or comments on my posts uh, like, "How do your tenants live like that?" And for some people, they actually do not know that there's anything. They don't wrong. know they live like that. Yeah, they don't know that there's anything wrong with how they're living. And yeah, as sad as we may see that, it, it's not their fault. Yeah. Um, so, but but it is on you if if you do know that something better is out there and you do nothing to achieve it, but still want it. If you don't want it, cool. But if you want it and you've seen it and you know how to get there and you're not doing it, fuck you, that's on you. <laughs> so shut the fuck up about it, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I, I think that's a, that's a really important factor, right? And and that's where, you know, we've often talked about like upgrade your network, upgrade the people you're hanging out with, who are your allies, like who are the people that that you call for help? And what, what's their situation? Like, I, I always found it extremely inspirational when I, I talk to somebody that has, and uh, it seems materialistic or whatever, but like just has more than you, right? In general, like in life, they have more time freedom, they have more money, they've got uh, cooler assets, like they've got all this stuff. And just thinking like, how, do, how does this person think and what's different about them? And like, you find out that like, yeah, they actually don't have a subscription to uh, like fucking Netflix, Crave, Disney and Amazon. And maybe if I wanted to have those things, you know, and I'm actually saying I want to, then you know, maybe I need to cancel those memberships. And then what am I yeah. doing with all that time? Well, yeah. I, actually, it turns out I'm watching a masterclass instead, or I'm learning some new skill set, or I'm doing whatever. But like, yeah. it's cool talking to people because you figure out where they're at. And like, one of the big things that I, uh, I probably chose to hear more from those people, right, is that they actually do value more abundance than saving, right? And so that's what I heard what I wanted to hear, of course, like, of course, they <laughs> save or they wouldn't be where they're at. But like, I, I heard what I wanted to hear, which was like, yeah, actually, um, you know, you you should spend where you want to spend, right? And and you should invest in people and in assets. And of course, you know, there's good debt and you, you should leverage all of that thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's an important mindset change for me when I was growing up to just, because like when I just think about my mom, like whatever she, I don't know what she makes, but she probably makes like 60 grand or 70 grand or something and just bust her ass off doing it. And I just realized that like, there's actually no out. Like that's, that's a 50 year path that has no happy ending in terms of like, if you wanted, and again, I think that's a fair point. If you wanted more, uh, that's not, the, that's not a way to do it because you just can't. Right. Yeah. Um, Even if you're making, let's just say hundred K a year gross, let's, let's just call that 50 K a year yeah. net. And you do that for 20 years. That's, that's your first million. Yeah. And that's assuming you didn't spend a dollar. <laughs> and you didn't spend anything, which you know you did, right? Because cars, insurance, house, food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's just like assume you save even, uh, even 10% of that, that 100. And after, after everything. So now you're in 100 years to get to your million. Well, and that's where I think too, just even reading, right? If you, if you don't have wealthy people around you, reading was always cool. Like yeah. you read rich dad, poor dad. And he's like, Oh, by the way, like the employee model doesn't work. And you're like, yeah. Jesus, what? Everybody's an employee that I know. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, yeah, but what about investors and business owners and entrepreneurs? And you're like, Oh my God, there's a different world. And, yeah. uh, and then maybe you do end up reading wealthy barber and you're like, fuck, I probably should save, you know, more than 2% of my income. Maybe I should save, I think he says 40 or something. That's yeah. a big number, but, uh, I, I don't know anybody that saves 40. Maybe you do James, but that's it. You're the <laughs> only one. Um, 
just and maybe no, not, I, def- I definitely don't. I, uh, I, I spend, um, I spend aggressively, but on, on stuff that makes me more money. Um, I'd say my savings rate's actually very low and, uh, I, like I do spend very, very aggressively, but typically on, on mostly good things. So, yeah, um, like wine I'm, I'm, and cake. <laughs> that was fantastic by the way. But, uh, yeah, like mo- I'd say like 90% of my income is pretty much spent immediately on other, other things, um, yeah. that can, that can produce more assets. So, um, on that, uh, like kind of note, and I, I think we're going to be wrapping up here soon, but the, uh, another like really kind of interesting, uh, thing that's been playing in my mind is quote that, uh, the people who, um, the, the thing that separates people from a great life is, is a good life where you're kind of comfortable, you're, um, whatever. So I actually see a lot more success from people that have had it hard at some point, um, because they don't ever want that shit again, <laughs> you know, um, the people that have always, it's also the, the same thing with people that say to me, like money can't buy happiness. And the only, there's only two types of people I've ever met that have said that to me and out of everyone that's ever said that to me, the people that have always had money and the people that have never had money. Yeah. Um, the, and and no probably one, won't. <laughs> the, no one who has not had money and gotten into having money has said that. And no one who has had money and lost it has said that. Yeah, true. <laughs> that's a good observation. Money that can't buy happiness. Um, I think that's absolute bullshit. It can facilitate so many things that lead to happiness. Um, I'm so maybe here happiness. to 100% tell you it does. <laughs> it it 100% does. Like yeah. I actually just got back. Um, we, you know, we did a, a guy's weekend at uh, one of the hunt camps that is close to the hunt camp I've been going to for like 20 years. And they did, they rang me up and I, I had asked them to, I said, if you guys are coming out here in the winter, I've never been back here in the winter. And I just got this snowmobile. I would love to come out and like, just going there. My throat is still sore from laughing, like all weekend, like crying, laughing. And, uh, and that was made possible by just having access to the resources to be able, first of all, to take the time to go there. Cause that I left on like a Thursday or Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to take the time. I was able to afford the, um, the trip to drive down. It was like freaking uh, diesel is just crazy these days. Yeah. By the way. It was like $400 in diesel to drive there and back towing and everything. Free diesel in Ottawa sitting around right now. <laughs> yeah. Great. No, I, no, but it, you know, it was expensive to go there and it took a lot of yeah. time. And, but, but while I'm there, I like amazing time. I cried laughing. And uh, that was made possible because I had the resources and time to do it. And I think that to me is what money represents is the freedom to move freedom. within, within your desires. Like if you want to have snowmobiling in your life, well, it's expensive. Actually. Uh, yeah. We had a guy break his, his $20,000 snowmobile while we were there. And guess what? That was um, a $200 part that like you had to YouTube for an hour, how to figure out how to take the whole thing apart and replace while, while yeah. in the freaking forest in the and bush, it's minus yeah. 30 degrees. Yeah. Uh, and luckily he's, he's actually um, uh, a helicopter mechanic. He worked for Bell helicopter all of his life. Right. So he's well-versed in this stuff, but I mean, you know, it's money to get there. It's time to get there. It's opportunity yeah. cost in being there. And then when you're there, shit breaks and that's yeah. just the life. <laughs> that's just life. Like you're never that's actually, what you, that's what you want. Like you want the, yeah. the facilities to 
help you do your hobbies. Yeah. And uh, it's actually a, a really interesting thing. There's um, uh, like a female psychologist that I see pop up on my TikTok every now and then talking about um, men actually are very game driven in general. Like we, yeah. we will work our ass off if it means we can play. Yeah, and true. <laughs> I, I actually see that a lot. And, and I dig into that and like, I kind of saw it maybe as a little bit of a detriment um, before, but now I like dig in aggressively. Like I want to have my toys. And like the, the Model 3, the Roadster, like other toys that I have, like my, my flying stuff, um, those are hobbies that I will work so goddamn hard over here so that I can, like, even if it's a one hour, you know, yeah. I'm doing nothing but playing with my toys, then I'll do it. And I feel like uh, whatever motivates you in general, but like for, for me, and I know for you as well, that's something that drives you aggressively. So oh, absolutely. whatever works. Uh, I probably have like 15 more minutes of you, James, but um, I've got a question for you here. I'm on the fence about something that I know is very unhealthy for me and uh, I still want to do it, but I'm thinking it's actually a really, really stupid purchase. And I'm going to tell you what it is right now. So I'm going to come clean here on the podcast. I'm an addict. Okay. Whatever it is that I'm going to get into, I'm fucking addicted. So like, you know, snowmobiles, I went off the deep end. I know exactly what I'm doing to my snowmobile now. I got to get all this other shit and add it on. It, it's going to be another whole like 10 grand of stuff going on to that thing, which sucks, <laughs> but it's happening. On a completely unrelated note, Halo has just come out with a new video. Oh, game. no. <laughs> I, know, I know, but here's the thing. I fucking love Halo. And all I've been hearing is, um, you know, Mike, my buddy, he, he told me the other day, he's like, Dude, it's actually legit. Cause he just out of nowhere, we used to play a lot of Halo. Like, we, oh my god, we, Halo Two! I lived on Halo Two, man. Dude, we did some MLG. Like, we were major league gaming at this, but it was called at the time. And uh, you know, we played a lot of Halo. And so, anyways, he he ended up picking up a, a machine the other day, getting it, and he started playing it a bit. And he's because and every once in a while, every few years, I usually like buy an Xbox again and then like play it. I still have an old 360 here. I haven't played in a year or two, but. You know, I'm debating, like, I kind of want to play that game, but I just know it's so bad. So like, what do you say? What, like, how do you balance those out? Like, obviously any hour, and I'm not going to say I'm going to play an hour. I'm going to say I'm going to play like fucking 40 hours of Halo yeah. if I do. Uh, if I do get it, I will play an absurd amount of it. And so like, how do you balance that opportunity cost when you know that like, you know, I could be out if I go do a wholesale deal, average fees, like 39 grand, I could go make 39 grand cost an hour uh and a little bit of lead generation like is it worth it do you just not do those hedonistic things like i'm going to get all the pleasure out of this thing but zero value like what do you think but but um well there's there's ways to self-regulate on that if you really need help with it there's um there's devices help like that have timers on it that have locks okay. on it that have whatever um so maybe that's an option i know like for myself in university um, I, there's a, a website that you could basically lock all your socials out of, lock Damn. everything out of so that you literally had no access to anything except you like Google Chrome, Damn. <laughs> you know, no and, porn uh, or anything, nothing, literally fucking nothing. Dude. And it was like, uh, you'd put your own timer on it. And, um, honestly, I ended up getting so goddamn bored that I would actually study. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> like that there there are tools to help people like us because i i definitely know like i'm an addict as well in certain things like i like on netflix i've watched everything like uh, yeah oh I, I own the whole catalog it's done but like one of the ways that i'm able to do that like 
I know it sounds stupid, but I watch everything at like two and a half times. So I can get through like an episode. Oh, the shows too? Yeah, everything. Dude, you're wild. So like, so like 12 to 20 minutes is like, like I can crush it. Yeah. And um, yeah, and like, let's just say two hours where someone's watched a movie, I've watched a season and it's it's fine. Like I, I just go through it and I enjoy it like that. But I, I know that's an addiction. <laughs> That feels okay. dirty to me. That feels like, uh, <laughs> that actually feels dirty. That feels like somebody who eats for nutrition rather than for, uh, <laughs> that, for, dude, than for honestly, mouth pleasure. If, if I, if I watch it any slower, I can't, like I get so distracted and I end up, I just, I'm so bored and like, I end up pausing it and like going, and then I just never finish that episode or anything like that. So dude, maybe this is the secret to every girl <laughs> I've ever met. Have you ever seen every girl I've ever met is like texting every movie show. I'm like, God damn it, just focus. Speed it up. Speed it <laughs> speed, up. Maybe you gotta speed it up. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Oh. And there, okay. So there's tools out there to help the addiction. So what you're yeah. saying is take a smart risk, get it, but then set up some parameters for the use yeah. of that crazy because thing. We are we are incapable, we are not incapable of regulating ourselves. So build a tool around it to help regulate yourself. What and you're saying um, is process is everything. Yeah. Yeah, and then you got it. Oh, shit. There was one more thing. I was, oh yeah, one more question before we jump off, because um, I'm I'm interested in just your thoughts on this. Have you ever considered just becoming an expat to Canada? Yeah, all the time. Ooh, all the time. Yeah. Like, what are um, your uh, top three? Uh, like Asia in general would be sweet. Like Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia. Okay. That's like Petra is uh, Vietnamese and no speak the language and everything. That'd be Tandy. pretty freaking cool. Um, I'd love to live in Spain again. I lived in Spain for three, four months uh, before. Um, Spain, Portugal, Italy, uh, Greece, like that that area of the world is just like one of my most favorite parts of my entire life. Um, I think Australia would be kind of cool as well. And then uh, like there's a lot of attention right now in the States and like buying in US and real estate down there and stuff, but I don't really want to live in the States. Yeah. Um, it's not really something I think I would truly enjoy um, versus like the lifestyle in South Spain, as an example, uh, you got your siestas in the afternoon, you got your late night, warm summer air all the time. Freaking tapas uh, walking tapas around all the time. jeans and a t-shirt. And it's fucking eight, eight oh. euros for a, for a full meal of like yeah. barbecued squid that's stuffed with the most exquisite things and the best wine you'll ever have for a couple of euros. Like I miss that a lot. And um, I'd love to have that lifestyle again. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like, I don't actually need to be here, you know, like yeah. on my laptop right now, but I, I could be in Spain. What holds you back? Um, right now my life's a little bit on hold with, uh, Petra finishing school and, and her wrapping all that stuff up and she's going to work, uh, for a little bit as well. I, I like, I have to talk to her about this a little bit. She's going to hate it eventually. So I'm just waiting for that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Waiting for Petra to hate her life so that you can move. Dude, like uh, her, her work isn't easy, right? But she's yeah. she's right out of school and she's excited to do it. And, and she yeah. brings a lot of value to the table um, wherever she's going. So I, I know that uh, she's really going to enjoy it initially. But just like anything, uh, work becomes work, right? And that's why some of the things I really enjoy doing, um, I never wanted to monetize or turn into work because that hobby gets killed and as an example flying um i was an air cadet i got my first license when i was 16 second license when I was 17 instructor rating at 18 and started thinking really about becoming a pilot as a career 
and very quickly got steered away from that by people who had already done it and said like do you love flying like yes they're like do not do it for do not do this yeah <laughs> so that's in, fair. in the same way like i i think like right now she she's gonna be a vet she loves animals she's very very in tune with uh everything that's going on in, in the field right now and in, in her specific area but i think as soon as she starts monetizing that and um like really being forced to do it rather than wanting to do it uh that that shimmer is going to kind of go away and yeah you know, at that point she'll she'll accept my red pill so yeah <laughs> i remember being so excited about real estate now i'm just like oh my god i just yeah. cannot get excited about it but yeah fair um, enough <laughs> Well, and that's part of my thing, right? Is like, we're, we're so, rem we're so remote capable now to do anything. And like, for me, yep. I, I've just come to terms with the fact that like, I'm actually just capable now at creating business wherever, whenever, in whatever subject matter that I want, if I just want it. And yeah, uh, exactly. And that's the thing you just kind of get comfortable with is like, you just pick up all these skills and it's not really that you're that skilled at real estate. It's that you've become good at developing systems and processes and people, and you can, you can actually just have your will enacted. So now you just need something that you're willing to uh, go to work for. And like, I don't need to be here. I do not. <clears throat> I really don't like, I don't need to be here. I don't need to be uh, in Canada. I'm really not excited about Canada at the moment. What What's keeping you here? Uh, well, literally nothing. Um, like it, realistically, family would be my only real argument. Like I, mean, I, you can bring them with you too, right? Like I plan on bringing my family. That's a good point. I don't think my family would really opt in, but, uh, like my grandparents are like some of the most important people in my life. They're in their like seventies now. Grandma just turned 70 the other day. Fucking shout out grandma. Nice. And, uh, grandpa's a few years older and like, I think he's 74, but like, you know, they're, they're in their 70s, right? And 80s. And like, these are probably their best prime years now for the next, whatever, 10 years until they get mm -hmm. like old, old, right? Like yeah. if they start slipping up mentally or physically or whatever. So I want to have these years here with them, but yeah, I'm also sure. like trying to balance out like how <clears throat> am I just making excuses, right? Because for $700 round trip, they can fly to El Salvador right or Literally. thailand or wherever the hell i would want Dude, to go I, I got a i got an email today of like one of these like i don't know the email sign up thing i always sign up for these things it's like 120 bucks to cancun right now that's unreal and so like what i'm wondering to myself is like do i just make excuses not to go because i'm not committed because i don't know enough because i haven't done yeah. the research like all those things that stop people from buying a property or whatever yeah <clears throat> or is there something bigger or like, is it just unreasonable to think that way? Like, I don't know. Um, but like, if I'm being honest, like I, I would much rather be there um, right now, especially like I don't have, I don't, I do everything that I want in life, I would say. And I'm pretty, you know, hedonistic in that sense. Like if I want to do something, I generally just go do it. But like, I don't know why I can't just make this commitment to like improve your life. Cause like everybody knows this, you go to Europe or whatever, like it's fucking better. How about that? Yeah it's just better. Like Spain is better. It's empirically yeah. better there. Yeah. And like every country right now I'm looking at where you don't get taxed to death. You actually yeah. have freedom uh, of expression and mobility and health choices. Uh, that's becoming a pretty cool uh, want to have on yeah. my list or need to have rather. And uh, I don't have a good excuse anymore. So I, I actually want to hear from more people as well. 
um, that are considering it a lot, but haven't made the choice or haven't made the decision yeah. or are waiting on certain things to fall in place. Like, I don't know what I'm waiting for. Literally. I mean, realistic. It's just for, for me, like I, I do have like very specific, like this just needs to happen before that, before I go. Yeah. So is um, that going to happen? Do you think? So like, I, I'm going to make it happen for sure, man. Like uh, in one or two years, now, Petra's years. like, fuck this, let's go. And then you, yeah. are you mentally prepared to just make that leap? Man, I'm preparing now already. Like, yeah. th- like physically, not mentally, like physically preparing my, my assets, physically preparing my team. Um, yeah. Like I, I liquidating things that I like the lower income things yeah. that, that prepare me really well for the higher income assets or assets abroad. Um, I'm like literally already starting now um because is your broader plan to keep your like high performance or high just maybe not performance but high desirable assets that you have in canada and then take proceeds from the less desirable assets as your uh, maintenance or living that's kind of where it is right now but let's just say a million dollars lent at 10 percent roughly is is 100k a year sure i can i can live off 100k a year anywhere for sure. Yeah. If, if yeah. we're just talking basic living expenses, for sure. Yeah. So, but, but hundred K a year in Thailand, as an example, or in South Spain, that's yeah. infinite money. That's infinity money. Yeah. So I don't need Back to, to that $200 snow shovel. Really? Like, um, man, you, you just need to break it down from there. Right. So if I liquidate literally, let's just call it, if I liquidate my apartment today and I clear a million bucks from it, yeah. And I take that million and I lend it to someone who's given me 10 to 15%, whatever. Um, I never have to actually do anything ever again. I don't yeah. actually have to like literally sit here and talk to you for the rest of my life. And then yeah. I'm still getting paid. I'd like right? that. So yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Let's play with your little hat up there. <laughs> play with my little hat. Yeah. But um, yeah, dude, I, you don't need to sell everything. You don't need to burn all the bridges and boats and whatever else, right? Yeah. Like you just come up with that plan and then and action it from there. So it's in, it's in progress right now. All the small stuff is going. And, so what uh, do we do with the roadsters of the world after we get them and then Turo? Turn, huh? Turo. Turo. You can't leave your fucking roadster on Turo. Why not? And then live in Thailand. That's important. Like, that's ridiculous. I'll just get a car detailer to full-time car detailer. He'll just sit there and wipe his <laughs> after each one. <laughs> what would the Turo be on a brand new Tesla Roadster with like rockets coming out of the back of it? Literally just, ridiculous. <laughs> and hovering, it just hovers away. Like, <laughs> God damn. Dude, that's mental. Okay, cool. Well, I think I got the uh, I think I got the point here. I think I think it's just me being a little bitch. Yeah, <laughs> um, man. Like even if you're leaving London and just living with your grandparents full time or living on the hunt camp or you built something on the hunt camp and now you're doing literally the only thing you want to do, which is like fuck around with the guns and, and your snowmobile. <laughs> like Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. We're gonna to build a cabin. And like, but this is where um, you know, you almost have a sunk cost fallacy to to just life. And that's a really um I don't here's the thing. <laughs> We're gonna go over time here, but if you've got the time, that this is like it would be really sad, I think, to find yourself in a sunk cost position to life. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't believe that's how we were meant to be. Like, that's not how we're supposed to live. Like, if if this is it, okay, we're flying on a fucking rock through space. We, we don't even know if there's anything else. There has to be something else. But, like, what comes after this, you don't know. So if this mm-hmm. literally is the only experience you have and you experience, you know, 
regret or any type of sunk cost fallacy here. Like if this is it, that's a really sad outcome. And so like, to me, I think we're nomadic. Like I think we're travelers. Like there's nobody that doesn't say they don't like traveling. Right. And so like, for me, you know, you, you get the things and maybe this is where everybody's like anti-material argument comes out. It's like, you get the things and uh, well, now what do you do with the truck and the roadster and the hunting cabin that you did build? Cause you really wanted it. And you also want to live in Aruba or wherever the hell you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I just don't want to find myself sad that I didn't yeah. do crazy shit because I thought, Oh, I've, re- I've got this truck that I wanted. It's like, well, I want mm-hmm. all of it. So what do you there do when you want it all? <laughs> There's um there's actually a really good uh, episode on Hidden Brain. Uh, it's like a hidden brain. podcast, another podcast. Yeah. But he talks about um these experiences providing actually long term happiness, and these uh smaller things that we buy and like kind of fuck around with providing short term bursts of happiness. And in order to be truly happy, he shows that people kind of need both. So it's not one or the other. And um, the people that are the most happy, uh, according to their their study or whatever, uh, do reward themselves with these small things. And for some people, it's just like the fancy coffee or, you know, like a new pair of jeans or something, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then the, the long-term saving for that big experience that is super memorable and whatever else. <clears throat> and it's actually really interesting. He says, it's important to also mix in um, periods of, of uh, duress. <laughs> and um, he's talking about specifically as, as an example, uh, the frat house, like hazing. <laughs> like it's garbage but when people look back on those memories they actually fondly remember it it's it's yeah. weird um oh, absolutely the shittiest moments of your life you kind yeah. of look back on it and be like you know what we did all right <laughs> yeah but you would never want to do that shit again but you actually kind of happily remember it in a weird kind of way um it, it's it's weird how our brains kind of trick us into that um well i'm actually just seeing i just looked up that uh hidden brain podcast Dude, and then rate all of them well, I, for, I will actually, thank you for the recommendation. Um, but right here on their website, there's a, a tab called books. And uh, the first thing that they recommend you read here is useful delusions, the power yeah. of paradox of the self deceiving brain. And that yeah. sounds exactly like you're describing, yourself, right? Trick yourself into success, like fake it till you yeah. make it type of thing. Yeah. Um, that, that guy, Shankar, uh, he talks about a lot of really, really cool things. And um things that we don't even realize that could really help us without even actually knowing that we're doing it. So uh, definitely 10 out of 10 recommend. Well, that's legit. You know, you guys have a way better podcast you'll listen to after this. <laughs> actually, <learn something. laughs> rather than us just talking about hats here. Yeah. Fucking it's not a little hat either. It's a real hat. Okay. <laughs> relax yourself. No. <laughs> I love know. it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. I actually do have to run, but okay, um, go, 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 go. We have we have shit to fantastic. do. We're yeah. shooting this on a Tuesday in the uh, three p.m. By the way, if anybody's still listening, we're so dumb. <laughs> There's so many better things we could be doing. All right, James. Thanks for coming Sounds on, good. dude. And I'll uh, throw this up here shortly, and we will have this on the interwebs to outlive us. Sounds good, man. Talk Cheers, dude. Bye.